Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Growth Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that are going to allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over 50 million pounds worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Business Growth Secrets. I'm really, really excited for today's episode. I have an English fashion designer with me, Henry Holland, who's run multiple businesses, including the fashion business House of Holland and the Henry Holland Studio as well, which is his uh, current business. Henry has been featured multiple times on national TV, uh, including Frock Me, The Changing Room, and many, many more shows. He's built up a, a massive brand online on social media and has been really, really successful in getting his message across and at the same time using it to grow businesses in different industries. So I'm super excited to talk to Henry, hear about his journey. So welcome on. How you doing, buddy? Things good? Um, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for the introduction. You made me sound quite impressive. <laughs> well, there's, you know, some, certainly some, some good achievements there. And you know, you've had a, a varied, varied career, which is awesome because, you know, there's a lot of lessons in that being able to, you know, go from fashion to design and, and different areas. But, you know, really wanted to see where we started from and, and go all the way back to the beginning, Henry, and maybe yeah. talk about your first foray into getting into business and getting into your career. Where did everything start for you? And what was the, the sort of challenges that you had at the beginning? Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess in terms of my kind of business aspirations and, you know, my starting into that field, they started when I was really quite young. I think I was 22 when I started House of Holland. And, you know, full disclosure, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Um, you know, I started that company almost because I recognized an opportunity of something that was happening and I really wanted to grasp that with both hands. At the time I was working as a fashion editor for teen magazine. So I don't know if anyone remembers Smash Hits magazine, but I was a fashion editor there when I was 21, which was the most fun and hilarious job I've ever had still. It was so much fun I didn't want to leave it but I started making some t-shirts as a bit of a side project and when I realized that there was an opportunity to build that into something more um I just kind of I just went for it I, I ran with it and um that was sort of my approach to my first business I guess for the first I'd say even five years, you know, the pace at which things were happening and, you know, the kind of crazy nature of the fashion industry and, and that whole world just sort of swept me off and it was really hard to keep up with it really. But, um, I did my best and, and in turn, I think what that created was a genuine authenticity to that business. You know, it was so reflective of me and my friends and, you know, the group of people around me because we were just doing what we do. Um, and, mm. and that became a huge part of my 
my business you know there wasn't a huge amount of strategic thinking involved in the early days you know we had nothing i think the first time i put together a business plan was when i applied for an award or a grant of some kind or and maybe later when i needed a loan from the bank but the, the first few years it was literally fly by the seat of your pants and figure it out as you go along learn by doing which i truly feel is one of the best ways to learn in business you know i think there's so many things that people especially in creative businesses could be taught before they you know leave certain educational institutions but i think however much you try and teach someone they're only going to learn the the true getting the true extent of it from from doing it and getting it wrong and then not doing it again i think yeah absolutely failing forward as, as they say so you said that you spotted an opportunity for that business. What was the opportunity that you felt that you spotted? And, you know, yeah. how strong did you feel towards that opportunity in order to be able to make that move? Because quite a big move to move from a magazine and a, a job that you mm. love into starting that first business. So what did that opportunity look like to you? And why was it something that you just had to do? Yeah, well, um, I think. I started making these t-shirts and they were so well received so quickly. You know, within six months, I was stocked in some of the best stores around the world in Asia. I was in Barney's in New York. I was in Dover Street Market and Harvey Nichols in London. And I still was then going to work nine to five at Smash Hits magazine. And, you know, I was just like, had no real concept of how big some of these opportunities were for me. And in some ways that was a blessing for sure. When they say ignorance is bliss, I think I really connect to that phase of my life. Um, and I recognize the opportunity and that, you know, this was something that was, you know, taking on a life of its own. And if I didn't really give it my full attention and, and give it the opportunity to realize every opportunity that came my way, I might regret it. And I never wanted to do that. Um, I think also being 22 years old and pretty fearless was, was a help. You know, I wasn't supporting a family. You know, I had bills to pay and I had a roof to keep over my own head and things like that. But I also was brought up by a mother who was huge in positive thinking and manifestation and, you know, see it, see it, say it, believe it, it happens. So, you know, I had a certain belief system instilled in me from being a child that was essentially, you know, you, you can do anything you set your mind to. And I think all of those factors coming together um you know gave me the confidence or the arrogance or the ignorance whichever one you want to look at it um probably, to, all three, right? <laughs> probably, probably a bit of all probably yeah. a bit of all three um to go forward and 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 try it out and give it a go you know i had no fashion um training or qualifications you know for my first fashion show i had an intern teach me how to pattern cut certain pieces on my living room floor but again it was fake it till you make it learn by doing you know all of that you know fail forward all of those things which played a factor into my 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 business education and my my training you know i trained myself in the bits that i needed to learn quicker than I trained myself in the other bits. You know, I didn't need to put together a business plan and a strategy document in the first, in the early days because we were generating revenue and had enough to grow the business organically why and pay the bills. Why was the product so well received looking back now with your experience now? Why do you feel it was so well received? In hindsight, it was a really clever idea. <laughs> um, and in reality, it was uh, 
it was a, a happy accident. You know, it was a set of circumstances. It was pre-social media. It was a time when the fashion industry didn't have a sense of humor. Uh, it was a time when the fashion industry was still very closed off to the outside world. It was a very exclusive world. And in that sense, exclu exclusive also meant excluding of people. Um, and what I was creating was something that referenced the higher echelons of the fashion industry by referencing certain high-level fashion designers where usually you wouldn't be able to buy into their brands for anything less than five, six hundred pounds. I was creating a t-shirt which referenced their work, showed you were a fan of their work, showed that you were aware of what they did, but it was 50 pounds retail. You know, so it's, I essentially created the football shirt or the band t-shirt of the fashion industry. Um, and it was, as I say, something in hindsight, I've only learned that over many, many years of having conversations like this and being asked why it worked. And I think that's it really. I, I created something that created a fandom in the fashion world before you know before it's time and you know i i so what i say it was pre-social media the first t-shirts i sold was a copy and pasted url paypal link on my myspace page so anyone of a very specific age group will understand my references there but you know you had to be you either have to be between i'd say between 35 and 40 to even know what myspace is and um and then and then I grew I grew my brand online really significantly through uh, Twitter and Instagram and different social feeds. But at the time, it was before, you know, social media really took a hold and became the powerful business tool that it is today. Absolutely. And, and in terms of you, you then had longevity in this business. So how did the business change as you were because you were in this for a long time, right? So you created this great mm. idea. As time went on, how did you look to build the brand, expand the brand, do things mm. different? Um, yeah, I guess that was kind of the the hardest part really was, um, you know, trying to achieve longevity and trying to evolve with the industry and try and build a brand and an aesthetic off the back of one product. Um, I think, you know, so often in the fashion world, that's, that process happens in reverse. People spend their years really honing their craft, defining their aesthetic, working really carefully, you know, on their degree shows and, and sort of creating something that they want to say to the world. And then after many, many years, that gets evolved and distilled and then becomes something really commercial like a T-shirt. Uh, with some branding on it and I did that whole process in reverse and so my education was in the public eye I guess you know my first three years of fashion shows by the by, by the time most people had finished a, a full fashion education three years in university I'd done six fashion shows um on schedule at London Fashion Week so it was quite a a baptism, baptism of fire but I, again, I had real life, I guess, real life feedback, real life analytics, if you want to go that, you know, deep into terminologies where I saw what worked, I saw what my customers responded to, what they wanted to buy from me, how much they would spend, how much they wouldn't spend, what was going to work for us as a business, you know, what categories I could expand into. I worked a lot with licensing the brand. Um, you know, having a very distinct aesthetic from really early on allowed us to license the brand very early on, which again allowed us to build a business without investment. We were completely independent for the first 12 years. Um, and so, 
you know, so many things. Again, with hindsight, I can sit here today and tell you they were really great business choices. And at the time, they were gut instincts, things that felt right, things that felt I wanted to do, um, you know, so many other factors. And I, and I think that that is awesome because the, you can't, the customer feedback and the feeling and being in front of the clients and going out there and speaking to them, you, you can't beat that. You know, sitting in a bedroom designing things, not knowing whether anyone will ever like you or not, is not yeah. the way. Right? I mean, if no one ever sees it, how do they know no one ever likes it, right? So, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a huge part of that process, which is really important to the industry, you know, in terms of like, this is a creative art form and like spending the time to really sit down and develop that and ideate that and, and figure out who you are and what it is you're going to say is a really important part. I'm not detracting from any of that, but yes, yeah. I agree. You know, the real time data that you get from running a business and living it. Being able to move with uh, with the feedback just allows you mm. to get results much much quicker. So, what were yeah. some of the biggest challenges across the? I think it's a fourteen years of running that yeah. business. Were there moments where you thought you were clinging on by your fingernails? Were there some stressful moments? Were there any bit? Were there any things that you know? Were there any moments where you were like, "Oh, I don't know, this is going to work." You know, what were some of the sort of hairy moments for you during that journey? Well, the answer is yes to all about once a month. I think, um, <laughs> the biggest chat, the, the biggest challenge is cash flow always is. I think it always will be. Um, you know, the nature of running essentially when you're running a fashion company, you're running several businesses in tandem. You're running a marketing business. You're running a creative content agency. You're running a manufacturing business and a distribution business. So you're buying in goods. Then you have to manufacture them into your products. Then you have to distribute them globally. You have to market them globally. You have to spend, you know, marketing budgets both online and offline. Now that the industry has evolved and we work so much more on social media, you have to create your own content to portray those ideas and share them. You know, you don't rely on press coverage. That that evolution happened whilst I was, you know, working the industry. Um, and yeah, every single payday there's an anxiety that you're going to make salary for everyone because you know do you pay it's it's a very it's a juggling act because you're paying for all your goods up front before distributing them around the world and then waiting for your 30 60 day payment terms you know it's like there's there is a gap you know there's a the business model is you know a lot of people say the business model of wholesale is broken and there's lots of challenges that it creates for 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 any business. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know if anyone, any of the listeners or yourself have read, uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Yeah. Amazing book. And I found it so comforting that even the founder of Nike thought he was going to go under the week before he sold. (laughs) I was like, you know, there is, however big a business gets, there is always those moments of panic that you're going to get to the next quarter, that you're going to get to the next month. Because unless, because by nature of being an entrepreneur and wanting to build something bigger, better, harder, stronger, faster, you know, all of those things that you have that are integral to being entrepreneurial in spirit mean that you're always going to push it to the limits of what your capabilities are. And that includes cash flow and <laughs> time, time, energy, and hours of sleep, right? So, um, Absolutely. 
Yeah. I love the way you broke down the fashion business being distribution, manufacturing, marketing. One of the things that I, you know, train my clients on is really splitting the business into impact areas and understanding the impact and developing in each one of those impact areas, mm. right? Um, there's certainly more simple businesses and probably easier businesses than fashion, actually. You know, I think that fashion is a really challenging business, but it's also very attractive for people, isn't it? Because it's yeah. got that creativity side of it, which is um, amazing as well. So, yeah, really interesting. And it's good for people to hear that, that the challenges are there, because within any success story, you've always got those challenges. And like you said, with that, a true dog, big fan. So, you, you obviously switched on to the marketing side. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about the marketing side of that business? I understand the distribution, the manufacturing. Yeah. How did you see your job to market that business? And, and did you lead that from the front? What sort of things did you do to really push the marketing forward in order to get that business more known? I mean, full disclosure, in the early days, I was 22 and I was being invited to parties every night of the week and I went. <laughs> and, you know... <laughs> I, I used to joke that it was the night shift um, because the people I would meet on the dance floor would be the people that would call me the next day to collaborate. The people that I would meet on the dance floor would be the people that three months down the line I'd interview for a job and would be an amazing addition to the team. You know, there was a real sociable structure to the industry, you know, the way, the way that the networking happens and and... And the way I built the network around the brand was very much, you know, how, how I did that from, from the initial stages. Um, you know, people got to know, got to know who I was from being featured in the media, probably half the time for nothing to do with my fashion business. But, you know, I was then able to utilize that profile to, to market my business to, to new customers. Um, but yeah, again, all of these things I learned in hindsight. At the time, I was probably an egotistical 22, 23 year old who got invited to, to all the exciting parties and wanted to go to them. So, um, it was never a conscious decision to use that as a business tool, but it was very much one I was able to capitalize on for sure. And then like, you know, and then later, I think being a creative mind, um, I'm, I was very involved in the the communication of the brands, the content creation, you know, the imagery that we created, the shows that we put on, how that tied into the storytelling behind the collections. Um, you know, I that's what I love about fashion. At its core is the characterization that it enables you to communicate. You know, you can tell somebody's story from the outfit they're wearing. Um, and that evolves out into you know all of the content that you generate around that collection and um you know i'm a journalism graduate so i guess that was where you know my journalistic side came into it wanting to tell that story and and weave that into everything that we did but and then later i became quite adept and an early adopter in marketing through social media because of my age group i was you know the first generation to use social media as a genuine communication tool with my friends. And so I started to use Twitter in exactly the same way that I would communicate with my friends, you know, and I built up a really strong following on there. And I made, I know it's very conscious and clear that you only market your business every four or five tweets. You know, you can't be like, Oh, buy a jumper, buy a jumper, buy a trouser, buy a jean. 
you've got to be like, here's what I had for lunch, here's what I had for breakfast, this is who I was out with last night, P.S. is a new jumper. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's there's been a full circle with social media on that, especially in the way that they've now kind of, you know, manipulated the algorithms with ad spend on certain platforms. You know, it's really important that you use social media for what pe- people use it for outside of business tools. It's communication tools. It's a, it's, it's a window into people's lives. And you have to use that whilst also marketing a product. Which is amazing. I love, and I love the piece about relationships actually, because, you know, even if it was conscious or not conscious, you've got to be in the room to get the opportunity, right? And if, yeah. you're, if you're in the room and you're around the people, you're building relationships with key people. It's amazing how many business owners don't do that. You know, one of the things yeah. I was seventy percent of your time at the beginning on building relationships because mm. you you know, your new business, your new opportunities, it's really, really interesting. So look networking you, coffee mornings aren't as exciting as the dance floor at a big party. Yeah, exactly. Do the dance floor. It don't matter where you do it, right? As long as you're out there talking to people, conversations grow businesses. So you've obviously got really tuned in and attuned to branding. Um, and actually building that personal brand. You know, I've seen um, prior to the interview looking at uh, your Wikipedia page, the press that you've done in the past, and, and it seems that you've built a very strong brand, also featuring on national TV multiple times. What was it about, again, was that something that you evolved into? Was there a point when you noticed, hey, look, if I do this and I promote me, this helps increase my sales, this brings me more opportunities, it gets me more meetings, it gets me more deals. What was it about the branding? That, because obviously it's something that you've, you've pushed forward with and, and built a very good personal brand. How would you now look at your personal branding that you've built and reflect back on that? Um, it's a really interesting question because I was really fortunate in that so much of that came to my door and it wasn't yeah. really I had to pursue. And that sounds really conceited in some ways, but you know, I, was really fortunate in that the, my friendship group, the people I was around at the time, all became quite well known in the public eye. You know, and I talked about this a lot, but we weren't well known in the public eye before we were friends, but we all became in our respective industries quite well known and successful in our own right. And so that really helped propel that whole thing. And then, yes, I, I was always very conscious that any press I did around myself was press for my business. I was always very conscious that, you know, a lot of the collaborations and the opportunities that came to our door was because I could generate press, because I was able to, you know, get the attention that those brands were looking for and needed. Um, and so I cultivated that and never shied away from it. And, and, you know, I'm sure there was a massive amount of ego involved in it and that I was quite happy to be written about and, you know, I'd smoke blown up my arse every now and again because, you know, it's human nature, I guess. But, um, but I was always very conscious. I would never turn down an opportunity. I was always very, like, because I think partly there was a touch of imposter syndrome. The fact that I was astounded constantly that people still wanted to talk to me and about my work, you know, I was still always thrilled and excited that people were interested in what I was doing, number one. Number two, I recognize it as an opportunity. Number three, sometimes it was a contractual obligation from a partnership I'd done and I had to fulfill a certain number of media opportunities. And number four was probably, yeah, I had an ego and it was nice to be asked to be featured in a magazine. Right? I think 
I think they they all play a part, and I think it would be um, a lie to say that isn't a factor. That you know, the human nature isn't that it's nice to be celebrated in certain ways. How do you feel about media? How important would you say media is for a for a business owner growing, starting out? Huge. In 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 the businesses that I work in, it's a huge part because. You know, as you said, you know, those, those people that sit in their bedrooms designing clothes that no one ever gets to see, those businesses that are designing collection after collection that people that don't cut through because they don't have that connection through the media or through social media or direct connection to their customers that are not going to get the showcase that they deserve and that they, that they, they should because they don't focus enough emphasis and time and energy on that media connection and that communication piece. I think you call it media, I call it communications, I guess. Communicating what you're doing is as important as what you're doing. Otherwise, you're just doing it for yourself and no one else. So, you know, that the way of communicating that now is multi-channel through like traditional media, print, radio, broadcast, or through social media, um, or through in-person relationships and networking and building those those connections so yeah there's so many different ways to do it having a big mouth and <laughs> you know being an oversharer with a twitter account does not harm a business unless you're have questionable views on things <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so, so look you, you then evolved out of the fashion business you went on to sell that business right and you've gone into a new industry now so so what inspired that how how did that come about, and how's it been different as a you know from a business journey perspective? What mm. have you noticed fashion industry and the industry you're in now? Yeah, so I think um, there's a big difference between the fashion world and the ceramics world. There's a very different pace to life, uh, and I think having a background in fashion and being bred to work like a you know a donkey or a or a, a horse that you know the pace of the fashion industry is is known for being kind of you know almost untenable you know we do like 10 collections a year we market them we sell them we manufacture them we distribute them it's you know it's 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 very hard to keep up whereas the ceramics world is you know you'll do like one one a year so i sort of have found a really nice niche somewhere in the middle where i'm probably a little bit faster than the ceramics world but i've also managed to find a a more um, attainable pace for myself. Um, and how it came about, sorry, yeah, so how it came about was, you know, my fashion uh, business failed in the pandemic. Um, you know, we were struggling and it was sold by the bank. So I uh, I took some time out and I was trying to think about what I was going to do. Um, you know, and I, I'd had an amazing time with House of Holland and I didn't have a, an, an ounce of resentment in me about it. You know, I loved every second of everything that I did. I was really proud of what I'd achieved and sure there was, you know, some disappointment and some feelings of uh, failure from, from going through that process. But um, we were in the middle of a global pandemic and the whole world had gone to shit. So there was luckily, you know, there was other things going, going on that, you know, made me realize that my life was, far insignificant than the wider problems going on in the world. And so then, um, but then during that time, I realized that um, I, I really missed making things and having a creative outlet and, put, and you know, and, and those two elements together. Um, and so I started having ceramics classes in the evenings. Um, and then 
I used social media to put some of those pieces out into the world and I got really amazing feedback. And I was like, hang on a minute, maybe I could sell this. And my husband mm-hmm. was like, why can't you just have a hobby? Why does everything have to be a business? Why do you have to sell everything you ever do? And I was like, well, because if people want it, <laughs> who am I? Who am I to tell them they can't pay me for it? Um, and so, you know, I think, and so I, I, I set up a website. I mean, there was so many, you know, ex- external factors as to why that process was able to happen so quickly. You know, I was locked in my house by myself. And, you know, I had all this time on my hands. I was able to build a website. I was able to launch a website and all of these things. So, um, yeah, I mean, during the pandemic, I built three websites, I think. Um, one for my company, one for my, one for my, like, for myself, and I was going to do consultancy work and another one just for fun. Um, and then, um, and then all of the, then I was able to kick into like all of the sort of transferable skills, you know, starting a ceramics business and starting a fashion business and very different sectors, but the, you know, in essence, they're the same things. You know, it's a distribution business. It's a manufacturing and distribution business. I had to figure out how to manufacture ceramics and then I had to figure out how to distribute them to my customer base, which I was building up through my social media channels and through my website. You know, and branding, I recognize the importance for branding, developing a logo, developing an aesthetic. You know, I'm a very creative and visual person. So that part I was able to do naturally. Um, so yeah, it's a very different world, but the transferable skills and also I think the confidence and the, 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 the balls to be able to just go out and do it is off the back of the way that my fashion company started. You know, there was no strategy. There was no pre, pre-arranged plan. I saw an opportunity. I recognized it and I capitalized it on it. And I, and I worked really hard at developing it and building on it and growing it. And I'm at that point now with a ceramics company, which happened in a very similar way. I found so, something I love to do. Yeah. So sorry, the uh, ceramics business is called Henry Holland Studio. Yeah. Yeah. That's people want to go and check it out. What's unique about the uh, product? What is it? Is it mainly the designs, Henry? That you come? Oh, I mean, the designs yeah. are fabulous. Yeah, yeah. So I make I make tableware, and I use a traditional uh, technique called narakomi, um, which usually is kind of a technique that's reserved for very kind of artisanal, uh, you know, craft people and, and artists, and using that tip technique in something functional like tableware, like plates and bowls and mugs and, and vases. I think it, it's kind of, it's something that hasn't been done hugely before. And also in the color stories that I use and using the colored clays that I use, I've managed to create quite a distinct look and feel with it. Fabulous. Fabulous. And, and look, the, the TV stuff as well, which we've skipped over a little bit, I think we should uh, have a conversation about all these TV shows you've done. Now, what's the, yeah. been the impact for you in, in that area in terms of your brand, featuring on different shows? What have you seen when you've been able to get yourself out onto national TV and national media? How's that affected things for you? Well, it's always just a huge marketing thing, really, for for me. And inter- I was so integral to House of Holland. And, you know, people would often credit House of Holland as being Holland and vice versa. You know, it's like... I, it was, we were kind of interchangeable, uh, myself and the business. And 
that was, you know, being able to build my profile, I always saw as a way of being able to build the brand's profile. And so when I also, you know, when you're running a, a fashion company, it is tough work. So when somebody offers you a handsome day rate to talk to a black box filled with wires and lenses, it feels a little bit like a day off when you're not, you know, filling out a VAT return or figuring out, you know, you know, your manufacturing costs and your, and your bills for the next three to six months. You know, it was, I always loved doing television. I found it really fun, found it really enjoyable. I often got to work with friends of mine, um, when I was doing it. And it was also a really great way of building my profile and in turn the brand's profile. Um, and yeah, and it was, it was nice to be asked. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So look, in, in finishing off, it's a, you know, an amazing story. Lots of uh, years, decades in business, lots of uh, lessons along the way. Um, lots of great info. How could we condense that just into a few tips for the business owners that are listening? Maybe we look at, Hey, what three things would you say to someone that's in the startup phase? Maybe, you know, been going in the business yeah. a year. In. What would you say to them? direct advice from from henry what would your advice be the most important things they could focus on and do because you could have warned me about this one i could have prepped for that question uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be as would, real, right we want to get yeah, real. Yeah. fair enough fair enough i would say um my first one would be feel the fear and do it anyway there's actually a book called that uh which i think is amazing but i think it applies so well to business strategy i think especially for people starting their own thing up it's scary and it gets really petrifying at times and yet it's still the right thing to do it's important to know that um another thing i would say is listen to your gut i was very um again it's not very strategic thinking but your gut instinct is 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 really important and you you will have a second sense that you that you you know you don't always recognize i think it's important to recognize um um, my third thing would be find find something that you love first and pursue that as your business choice because you're going to be working 24 hours a day, seven <laughs> days a week, whether your computer or your phone is on or off, your brain will be working 24-7. And if you're working on something that doesn't fill you with joy and passion, then you're making a pretty miserable life for yourself. I love, I love those three tips. I think they're absolutely awesome, Henry. Where can, where can people find you if they want to come and, and follow you? What's the best uh, social site for you? Would you say you use uh, the so, most? Yeah, probably Instagram we use the most. And then uh, I'm on there as Henry Holland and that's Henry Holland Studio. And then the website is henryhollandstudio.com. Fabulous. Well, thank you for coming on and being a guest. I think you give some amazing uh, guidance, you know, really open conversation and, and I really enjoyed it. So a big thank you to you and, and to all our right. listeners, you know, if you haven't already, go and uh, check out uh, Henry, go and check out Henry Holland on Instagram. And of course, if you haven't already for more awesome interviews like this, make sure to subscribe on your preferred listening choice, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, wherever it might be. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. 
Hey everybody, Adam here, and I hope you loved today's episode. I hope you thought it was fabulous, and if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favour. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets, and if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favourite episode is, perhaps. Every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive Academy Days and have lunch with me on the day, meeting hundreds of my clients. So if you want that to be you, then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes. Please, of course, do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes. Peace and love, and I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.